Bad Women is a new podcast powered by Catcall and hosted by yours truly, Brittany Brave. Catcall is a platform promoting female leadership, progress, and camaraderie through original events and content. Follow along at We Are Catcall on social media. In this episode of Bad Women, I speak with Dee Guerreros, the founder of The Donna's Project. Um, The Donna's is a female-centric community. They throw really dope events. They create great content that amplifies female voices. Uh, Dee is also a registered nurse, a very talented chef, a very talented photographer, a jack-of-all-trades if I've ever met one. We actually met when she shot um, my live recording of my former podcast, Violently Funny. Um, She was just the perfect photographer to have worked with that night because everything she does, all of her projects, all of her endeavors, she keeps women and their issues and their talent in mind. And she created such a fun, supportive environment and really perfectly captured that evening. So Dee and I kind of get into what it's like to start these communities from scratch, um, what it's like to manage many different passions, and also what it's like to tell the underdog story. Um, you know, tell the stories of the marginalized voices and the voices that need to be heard and how to properly capture and narrate them. So without further ado, Dee Guerreros. Hey. Oh, how are hey. you? I'm good. I'm nervous. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I want to just like give you the floor to like Talk oh, about wow. the Donna's. Like, when did you start it? What was your idea? Has it evolved from what you initially thought? You know, I would love to hear. Um, so initially my idea was, um, so what happened was about a, maybe two or three years ago at this point, I got asked to do a, um, a thing with the New York Historical Society. And I was actually, I was asked to um, photograph mom and pop businesses. And the whole point of it was like a grant to document, um, it was called the disappearing face of New York. And it was supposed to be, it was a time like, you know, where we were looking at like really gentrification and these large rents and how um, these mom and pop shops were really disappearing and how, um, you know, banks were coming in or Dwayne Reed's and CVS and like kind of, you know, blowing out the whole block and, and taking over like, a, you know, maybe 10 or 12 restaurants to put like a Dwayne Reed or like a Home Goods and, you know, how this was affecting New York and how the fate, how New York was built on small business and, and how this was all changing. So I started and um, at the time I had a few friends in pizza and uh, I still do, but I had a few friends <laughs> in pizza who were like super dope to me and like, would let me eat at their shops for free and like drink for free and, you know, do all this. And I was like, oh, I think I'm going to photograph them because pizza was kind of making this like resurgence in New York City and it's a yes. very New York centric thing. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go photograph my friends and like figure because it was a exhibit that was going to have like a thousand visitors a day. It was oh, wow. um, yet a very like famous library in New York City. And it was going to be, you know, kind of big. And I was like, oh, I want to like give back to my friends who've been like really cool to me. So I photographed um, a few of the pizza shops that I knew and um, uh, two got picked for it. And um, afterwards, like any creative, like when you have a project, right, you sit there and you're like, okay, what did I learn from this? Mm -hmm. Oh no. Okay. Okay. I we think my connection froze. Let me G's already on it. I see another request. Oh, there she is. Amazing. Was that you or me? 
I have no idea. I I'm sorry know. if it was me. <laughs> it might have been me because you were on it so quickly. I okay, all right, good. By the time it stopped freezing, I was like, she's so on top of her shit. She's right back in the room. Okay, good. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, guys, I was supposed to have it. Um, <laughs> take so, two. Yeah. So, yeah, take two. Um, so, no, basically, like, after a project, like, I remember my train of thought. Um, so, after a project, like, as a creative, you kind of sit back and you're like, hey, what did I learn from this? What did I, what should I do differently? What should I figure out? What should, how could I make this better? And I was, yeah. it was at a time, actually, I took, had to take, like, in a two-year year and a half like two year break from photography so this kind of like got me like back in back again and got back in the game and it was like very new york which i loved and i was like you know this you is from kind new york originally i'm originally from new jersey and but uh, i spent so much time in the city yeah and um like i i lived i think like all the new jerseyans find each other yeah, um <laughs> the miamis but, um, do too i feel that bond. yes the miamis miami's definitely do um yeah. but i was kind of like you know how come everyone i know in new york city who owns a restaurant is a man and I was like, it, like, you know, and at the time I was really making a conscious effort to like buy my deodorant from women, buy my makeup from women, buy my clothes from women. And I was like, how come I don't know many female owned businesses? And then I started to kind of look into it and I was like, oh, this is why. Like the managers of all of the shops that like I had featured and even photographed were women. The key oh. people who like these dudes were relying on to run their businesses were women. They had like people behind the scenes who were, you know, female who were like doing their PR and doing, you know, their, um, their merch or, you know, do, and I was just kind of like, damn, man, like, I don't know why I don't know more, more women. So I kind of okay. like looked into it. And then I like started to look into how many restaurants in New York City were actually owned by women and compared to the rest, there weren't that many. Mm -hmm. And there were there were none in pizza. Actually, there's only um one female in Manhattan who um, owns a pizza shop and um, it's Sanjanopoli and it's with a hit, her husband is like the pizza maker, but she actually owns it. And um, she's That's Dominican. Insane. She's Dominican. Yeah. And she was actually the first female and I believe first minority um, like pizza owned shop in New York city. But that's like, there aren't any female owned pizza shops in New York. There's women working at them and running them, but they're, you know, so I was like, I want to start documenting this and like doing this project. And that's how I kind of started with the Donna's. And I wanted to start interviewing female owners and female um, makers and, and, you know, people who were doing what I was doing, which was like moonlighting. So like I'm a nurse and I'm also a photographer. And a lot of the cool people I knew at the restaurants who were like waitresses and bartenders and managers and, you know, um, making pizza and stuff. They also had like these other jobs or they were using that to kind of you know, be a comic or yeah, to do what else they wanted to do. Or they had another like full-time gig and like this other thing was their passion. Like I had a friend who um, was a social worker and on the weekends he would um, work for a catering company. And then he actually finally transitioned into being a sous chef, which was like really dope. Oh wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So yeah. Incredible. And I wanted to, yeah, like no, document all these people. Yeah. That's an, and that's uh, an insane about the only female owned pizzeria. That's an insane statistic. Yeah. 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 And it's, um, I, I mean, also too, there's such like an inherent community element around food anyways, you know, I can see and how that kind of like bleeds into like bonding with people, word of mouth, passing things along. So it probably felt like a really logical place to kind of like pull from and, and grow from. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't fashion. And like my background had been fashion photography and comedy and like live events and it was something different. And I think, you know, I was getting older and, and also I think kind of like once you get into the behind the scenes of fashion, it's, it's like, you know, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors and it's a lot of like, you're like, Oh, that's fashion. You know what I mean? Because like from mm -hmm. the outside world, it's like, so glitz and glam. And then you get in and you're like, no, this is also a business. And you mm -hmm. know, and it's it, it, like any business, it's like being run by the small few that are running it. Um, and I just kind of was like, 
over fashion and over fashion week and like over that like hustle and that grind and I was really was becoming more interested in food. I was I had an appreciation for food. And I think for a long time, what, what happened for me with food and especially the restaurant industry was um, it was so far away. It was like an arm's length away from me. And yeah. then when, I, when my friends started and I started becoming friends with people who owned restaurants and I got to see, oh, the, you know, the people who I had known were like, you know, Bobby Flay and, you know, Kat Cora and like these like big people who were like on Food Network and stuff. But then when it's like, you know, your friends who, you know, kind of grew up like you in like a, you know, a, a very modern, you know, modest, simple home and, you know, didn't have all this crazy money and did this, you know, you know, the shop on their own and it's very successful and they're in all these magazines and stuff now. It's kind of a little more closer to home. It's like, yeah. it's kind of like seeing someone who wasn't, who didn't train professionally as like an actor or didn't go to like Juilliard and, you know, now they're on Broadway and you're like, shit, man, this is like, this is really interesting. That's really interesting to me. And, and it's someone who's like me who had to kind of like figure this out on their own. And, and that was, I kind of wanted to like talk about how these people like navigated this world. And yeah, that's when food like became a, interesting. A come up for lack of a better term. It's yeah, like, no, it is. Yeah. It's, like, it's like in comedy when like one of your friends like gets a TV show and you're like, holy shit, man, like they didn't, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're just a kid from Jersey. Like this is awesome. Yes. You know? <laughs> I'm hoping that's what happens here. She's just, she's just a slutty babysitter from Miami. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How'd she get on CBS? No, um, that's, that's incredible. And I mean, that is like a very, I, I, I like that that's the approach you took with the storytelling. It's almost like telling the, un, the untold, telling the untold in a, well, in a way. Like I really navigate and gravitate, I mean, towards the underdog. And yeah. um, it's just, I, I like people who, you know, who, you know, I, it's very inspiring for me. And because I've had to, I've had to like work really hard for everything I had and nothing was like handed to me. And I've also had to make difficult decisions. And, and, you know, I feel like we kind of find each other and I didn't come from a wealthy family and, you know, no one gave me the, the path and was like, this is how you Thanks. become successful. I had yeah, to, so, I'm the only person in my family with any sort of like, entrepreneurial bug or like I'm just like everyone and it's okay but I'm the only one who like went rogue left a corporate job and then went down the hole I'm gonna start cat call I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do comedy so it's like yeah yeah and yeah. so like it, it's very interesting to me and, and I'm really inspired by you know I'm, I'm, I'm inspired you know it's very inspiring so and I wanted to, to showcase and I and like I said I, I always like kind of root for the underdog and you know I, I don't like you know I think people make mistakes and I think people grow from them. And I think we're, you know, unfortunately in this like internet land, everything is documented, which is yeah. also not good. No, no, not at all. Yeah. It's like every which yeah. way you're like, is that, is that one random thing I posted on Instagram going to get me canceled for the next second? Right. Yeah. Or not have, get me a job in 15 years, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's so important about how it's, it's, it's so much more significant and important to be, to be a presence online than it is to be a live presence in so many ways too. Um, right. And, yeah. I, and that's, that was happening to me with photography. Like I was walking into rooms and people were like, how many Instagram followers do you have? And I'm like, do you want to look at my portfolio? Yeah. Like, like what, what comes first? Like what's more important? Yeah. 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 No. And it's, you know, and I think that's something that contributes at least comedy specific, which I did want to ask and, and, you know, we'll get to like how you specifically got into comedy or gravitated towards comedy. Um, but I feel like that social versus physical presence contributes to the imposter syndrome that we mm -hmm. all experience in comedy. Oh, yeah. Of like, I'm not actually funny or I, I my or whole I life I went thinking I was funny. And now, now I challenge that and question that. And that's the, the Instagram doesn't help. Social media doesn't help that. No. I, and also like also the imposter syndrome of when you finally, when you, you working your ass off and the success starts to come to you and you're like, do I deserve this? Should I be getting this? Like, what yeah. if they figure out, I don't know what I'm talking about. Or what if they figure out I've only been like, I'm not an expert in this. Like, and, and that started to happen to me a little bit with this project because I knew nothing about the food industry. I knew I liked food. I knew how to cook, you know, decent. My grandmother taught me how to cook and 
I grew up, you know, up in a household where we cooked. And um, when I started getting into this, I like, I remember being at a party and I actually went and told my therapist this because like upset me so much. And I was at like this dinner party and it was like a who's who dinner party. Yeah. And someone was like, oh, what's your favorite restaurant? And like, I told them and then they were like, oh, well, do you know this? Do you know that? Do you know this chef? Do you know? And they start rattling off. And they're like, what's your favorite female owned restaurant? If this is your project. And I'm like, First off, they're terrible at conversation. So let's put <laughs> yeah. that out there. They are not fun to have at a party. But it was like a quiz. And I <laughs> yeah, was like, um, and, and finally I was just like, yo, I'm very new to this world. I'm still <laughs> learning. I was like, this, you know, I'm not an ex, like I'm not here to give a dissertation on, you know, female run business. And if, if you know any of these people, I'll gladly, you know, cover Talk them and them. do stories on them. Yeah. But I'm like, if, like, but it was also a room where it was kind of like prove yourself. Like, I don't know. And, and then I kind of started to just be like, you know what? No, I, I admit when I don't know what I'm talking about, when I do know what I'm talking about, I lean in, but then I also stop and listen to, you know, expand my viewpoints and learn other things. But I, I think there was a lot of that, like intimidatingness. And I have to be honest, I hate saying this, but it was coming from a lot of the men in the industry. I, and I tell the story yes. and I told it on Amy's podcast where I was at an, at that event where that man was like, what about this? What about that? And then like a couple of months later, I was at another event where a woman was sitting next to me and it was actually in Portland at Rue Portland. And, um, she's sitting next to me and she's like, Oh, that's chef so-and-so. And I was like, I don't know who she is. And she's like, Oh, and then she just tells me everything about her. That gave me like yeah. talking points. She's like, and she's got this coming out and she's like, she's going to be on the panel tomorrow. She's like, and you should go talk to her. And yeah. I was like, wow, thank you. Yeah, you know like, I mean? like that's like real support, like someone looking out for someone else and like lending information and yeah, and, like and a, somebody I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah, who yeah. owes you nothing and just like sees you for what it is you're trying to achieve and passionate about and looks out for you. Yeah, yeah and she's like, you definitely need to go talk to her. Go talk to her right now. And like, I went up to the woman and I was like, hey, how are you? Your chef so and so. Like, I you know, and I was like, I heard that you've done this, and I, and I didn't try to like bullshit and be like, oh, I know that you do this, and I love what you did with that. I wasn't like that. I was very, but at least I was able to like have a connection and then kind of like take it from there, you know? And, I, and I'm very yeah. grateful to that woman who, um, who, who did that for me. Yeah, no, that's incredible. I love, I love moments like that. Um, and it's, it's that it is so true. And it's, you know, where and obviously it, uh, not man bashing cat call. No. And I, cause I don't want to be like that either because honestly my project is like, the project is like, when we look at like the statistics and the breakdown of it, which I never expected. And I'm very, very grateful for the, um, like on the Instagram statistics, we'll say, I think it's like 52% is, um, female and 48% of my followers are men, which is so which I, I, which is great because it's like yeah. the whole point of this is like, I have men who are not only like allies and supporting and making connections for me and being like, you should talk to my friend who does this and you should talk to this person. Or if you like, I like coming to my events and helping me set up and coming there like two hours before and hanging up balloons and you, you like doing like shit you would never expect. But yeah. You, know, you want them to be there because they're paying attention and they're listening and they're like, Oh, I didn't know this was an issue. Or I, I have a follower who I, who, um, I chat with a lot and, and him and, I, and he has a daughter and he's like, I really like what you're doing. And he's like, you know, you give me different perspectives too, for like talking to my own daughter. So it's like, if men are there and in there, they're in these female, female, um, grounded groups, I would say it's okay to say the, priority right now are female issues but also like you're welcome and you know thank you for coming and, and also acknowledge people who are supporting you absolutely yeah it's like an inclusive conversation completely and i think i think all it really ever requires is just both sides being willing to be curious of the other's experience mm -hmm. and and just like and, and supportive of each other too. I mean, it's, I've experienced that with cat call as well. Like we've well, even like, even your the domestic violence project that you have, it's like, you don't want to say no men don't come in here because yeah. it's like, 
you want men to be able to identify domestic violence for their sisters, their, you know, their friends, you, you know, be, be aware of the signs, be aware of what this looks like. And, 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 and if men are coming into the room, you, you do want to welcome them because they can be huge allies and advocates and you don't know who they're going to get out of a situation because they know they're able to recognize the, the signs or, you know, the red flags or, or even, you know, if they have like a, or a daughter or it's just, it's so many layers. And, and you, if you can have, if, if people want to be educated and people want to be open, I, I think, it, welcome them in the room, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what um, I, I've always approached up as cat call as well, too. Like the, the concerts, comedy shows, whatever we do. Actually, comedy is one area we haven't yet ventured in quite yet. But cooking, fitness, all these different things. I was always like kind of I, what I think you try to do with the Donna's. We're like, well, the talent and the focus that I'm trying to spotlight is inherently female. But Correct. yeah, it's so important to have the male voice in the room because it's like, yeah, you are tapped in in some way. And you yeah. know, if I can impact you and, and pass along some information. From from violently funny from that podcast, some of the best feedback I got were from like straight men that I knew or didn't know on the internet that were like, "This is even making me look at how I date or oh, issues I'm not fully conscious of," or like now I'm more protective of my sister, my friends, my daughters because like I didn't realize how much this issue you know permeates relationships. So yeah, it's it's so important to be. And, and I didn't realize that till one day I had a conversation with my husband and I was talking to him about something and I told him a, a, about being on the train and like every woman knows this. It's like the moment you get on the train, the first like two seconds is you trying to figure out who's going to attack me, who's not going to attack me, who's a weirdo, who might actually be on my side if something happens. The safest and, place to stand. Yeah, and you're doing down, like, like, like yeah. all this shit in your head in two minutes. And I had told my husband that one time and he was like, wait, that's what happens on the train. And I was like, if I'm alone, Huh? Yeah, like that's the thing I'm thinking. And he's like, oh, usually I'm just like, who could kick my ass? And I'm like, right, because you're right. a dude. And <laughs> yeah. so, but because of that conversation, and he's like, I never knew that. And then we were out to, at dinner one time with a bunch of friends and he had said to my girlfriend, he, you know, we just like, we brought it up and, and, and he said, do you have that happen to you too? And my girlfriend's like, yeah, that's kind of like how we Our live. day to day life, yeah. But because of that now, he's become more aware on the train and there has been multiple instances since that has happened and we have that conversation that he's been on the train and like a dude has gone up to another woman and been like weird or he noticed that he was like, there was an instance where this guy like followed the girl on the train and like she moved to the other side. Yeah. And then the guy like got up and like moved too and sat by her and he could see like she was so uncomfortable. So he went up to her and he was like, Hey, I can't believe, Oh my God. He's like, I thought that was you. And she's like <laughs> looking at my husband and he's like, I Pro thought move. it was you. And then he looked yeah. at the guy and he's like, do you mind moving to that seat so I can sit by my friend? And then he like sat next to her and then he's like, yo, that dude was being mad weird. And I just like, and she was like, no, thank you so much. And so like, yeah. yeah. And then he like got off the train with her and like walked her up the stairs and, and then he got back on. But if we never had that conversation, that would have never happened. Yeah, of course. And it's like, you can't, and that's part of it too, is like approaching these issues is like it, you, one of my favorite sayings and it actually came up in last night's chat coming up again now too, is like, you don't know what you don't know. So right. it's just about being willing to like, be aware of what gaps are there in terms of information and be willing to have that conversation. I mean, I've been on guys, guys that have dated or close friends explaining cer certain situations and they're like, Oh, really? That's tough being a woman. That happens every time you go to a bar. Like yeah. I, a group of guys were at a bar while I was waiting for a friend to come meet me. And I, I did, I, they were like leaning in and invading my personal space and being creepy. And I quickly covered my glass and I was super tense. And I was like, hey, I'm not, I'm not down for this right now. They were like clearly very drunk. It, it just mm -hmm. wasn't like weird 
predatory situation and my friend comes in the bar and he's like are you okay and i was like no i had nowhere to go i was crowded i was literally stuck at this bar i couldn't tell them to really move over but like i did not like their vibe so now i like kind of want to get a new drink kind of want to go to the bathroom and cry kind of need a second <laughs> to like you know and he's like does this happen often? all the time yeah you're yeah, like yeah all the time yeah and that's and it's like it's the same thing with domestic violence where you feel crazy sometimes being like, no, 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 I got a weird vibe. But I think over time as a woman, you cultivate that to be like, no, that's my instinct telling me something here is unnatural. And, and that's like, we were, and so I have a, I have a podcast episode coming out about this probably in the next two weeks. And it, we talked about this on it and it's kind of how we're really been taught to kind of like dialysis our intuition and it's yeah. like, no, women have very good intuition. That's why we're mothers. Like we, <laughs> yeah. like, there's a reason why we bear the kids, you know, because, yeah. and, and when you look, and so one of the things I'm reading this book right now, um, and in the book, she talks about how like women are, um, she compares women to wolves. And one of the things she was saying is how like, we have these like learned things from our mothers, right? And like, we've been taught like, no, be pretty, no, be nice, no, do this, no, be do that. More, be, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and in the book, the author is like, could you imagine if a mother wolf told her cubs to be nice and be pretty when they thought they were in a predatory state or they were in trouble, they would be dead. Yeah. And it's like, no, you have to like follow, you know, that, that intuition and stuff. And, and it's funny, like talking about like a funny story, like we're talking about, you know, serious stuff, but it's like, sometimes like people are like so out of tune, like you don't know what you know. That's what you said. Um, I was in Puerto Rico a couple of months ago and my friends and I got a boat for my friend's birthday and it was like supposed to be this big birthday. And I called my husband in the morning and he's like, Oh, you're going on the boat. I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to talk to you for like eight hours. Cause I'm on this boat or whatever. And yeah. I was like, um, it just really sucks. Cause I got my period. And he's like, yeah. So, and I was like, because I have to, how am I going to change my tampon on a boat? <laughs> like little and, and he goes, well, you just go in the water and do it. And I was like, you have no idea. Ooh, I, tampon how this works. Works. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is not going to work, buddy. <laughs> yeah. When you try to explain, like, so the thing is I was ovulating and this is why this happened. And they're like, I'm sorry, is, what is ovulating? Does that right. Right. But it was so funny. Dilate? And you're like, no, 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 no. He's no, like, just jump in the water and like, nobody will see you. Just put it in real quick. I'm like, yeah, okay. You, you're, you have no idea. You're on another plane. Yeah. 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 That's so, yeah. And it's just about having that, like that, that, open open it's just different experiences yeah yeah um and i do and, and then even when i told him he's like wow he's like man girls got to think of a lot of shit before they even go on a boat huh and i'm like yeah we <laughs> yeah, do like yeah <laughs> yeah you step on a boat like it's all good you know right that's what he said he's like all he literally said that he's like all i gotta do is bring a bathing suit maybe flip-flops and i'm like yeah no we gotta think of a lot of different things yeah like all of a sudden i start looking at this trip on a boat as like law and order like aquatic style. i was like, like where am i gonna pee where am i gonna do this <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, there's an anchor to the boat. Someone's definitely going to try and shank me with that. I know. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, do um, we really know this captain? Like, you yes, know what I mean? yeah. like, where did we find him? There's too many women on this boat. I think he has a secret agenda. I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah. it was a lot of, yeah, a lot of questions. So yeah, it's a, that yeah. is so funny. Whenever you see party scenes in movies, I've watched with ex-boyfriends and been like, these girls aren't covering their cups. Right. So, <laughs> I know. Like, just watch and enjoy the movie. I'm like, I can't. It's just, but also it's like, it's so interesting how it becomes, it becomes second nature. And especially when you live in New York, I think too, sometimes yeah. you're not even fully aware and conscious of it, like the dangers that are around you. Or you're overconscious. And it's like a, such like a stress that like, you know, it, it's, yeah, like it, 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 I don't know. I, or you become the other way where then when you're in a place where you don't have to be so 
intense. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you're relieved because you, you are, you're constantly like looking around and trying to, you know, and then on top of also living in New York, that's a whole other stress in itself. Yeah. Exactly. And now, and now COVID. So it's like, we can't right, you're right. It's all, yeah. It's like, yeah. I know we all used to make jokes about surviving in New York beforehand and how I was like a feat in and of itself. And now it's like, no, well, now it's really like a badge of yeah. honor with everything. Um, okay. so it's interesting too. So I wanted to bring up a point about how you said like getting, getting support from women, right? And how mm-hmm. like, a, and a lot of the pushback that you received, sometimes it was from men and you started to pick up on that pattern. It's, it's been from women too. It's, you know, cause it's like yeah. you come in and you're like, who are you? And you know, or you don't, you, have you worked in a restaurant? Do you know this? You know, it's like with anything there's, it's not, it's, it's everybody, you get pushed back from everything. And I think one of the things I'm learning, and I guess this has come with age and, and it's the one thing I'm grateful for about age is like, you really find out who's with you and who's not. And the people who aren't with you, it's cool. They can just go over there. And then the people who are with you, they got your back and, and you don't need, you don't need quantity. You just need quality. You need a few good people, like a few good men, you know what I mean? Just need a few good people who are like with you and, you know, and your people find you. Like when I started this project, um, you know, one of the things like, and one of the things that you had had wanted me to talk about is like one of you had put, what are you, what is the thing that I is you think is I'm missing that I think is missing from a lot of women's organizations. Literally going to be my, my next question. Yeah. Perfect. And, and, um, the thing that I think is missing from a lot of women's organizations for me is I think we've started to really hit the diversity very well. Like I, you know what I mean? Like you go into yeah. places and the room is, you know, the, everybody looks different in the room and nobody's, you know, the, the same nationality or same culture for me. And naturally that happens in my world. I have friends from every walk of life, every background. And, and I'm fortunate for that. That's also like a thing of living in New York city, right? You know, it's, it's a very diverse place. But yeah. one of the things that I really, and I kind of knew that was going to happen naturally with the Don is just because of like my friendship circle and the people I know and the people like I'm, I'm cool with. Um, but one of the things that I really tried to focus on was um, age diversity, huh. because I feel like that's not, I feel like in women's organizations, it's a lot, it's a young women, it's, it's millennials, it's, you know, it's, or it's older women or, or we're the mature organization or we're the, this, or we've been, you know. And one of the things I really like about being a nurse is that in a lot of nurses organizations, it's, it's very diverse as far as age. And so I was trying to like bring that into the Donna's and at our last event, we had women from, I think our youngest woman there was like 19 or 20. And our oldest woman, I think was 67. That's incredible. And I was so happy about that because the thing being a female, you, you learn a lot. We learn a lot from older women. Most of the things I have learned in my life have been from older women who have, you know, kind of talked me through things or been like, this isn't as stressful as you're making this out to be. Or that goes from like my mother to like random older women on the train who have seen yes. him crying and been like, what's his name? And then, right. like, yeah. and I'm like, oh, yeah. And, and even like in my marriage, like I've been with my husband for a really long time and, and we've been together, you know, close to 20 years, which is a very long time. And we got together young, but it's hard for me to sometimes connect, you know, identify with someone who's been in a relationship for two months or six months and, or, or married for two years. I have to go to women who've been married for like 35 years because to like relate to that. Yeah, yeah, so they can yeah, be absolutely. like, what you're going through is normal. This happens, you know, what you're feeling is okay. And because it's like, they've been through the, the process of, of aging in a relationship, which right. a lot of people my age haven't because they've only been with their significant other for four or five years. Or a blink of an eye or even like a couple months or so. Yeah, yeah. So like I've, I've had to talk to people who've actually like grown up in front of their partner and are not the same person they were when they were 20, you know what I yeah. mean? And, and, and how did they navigate that? And how did, 
they, you know, have these tough conversations or, or, you know, want to do these different things. So I was really important for me to have older women. And, and one of the women who was there at the event, the last event said to me, she goes, you know, she's like, I'm 60 something years old. And she goes, you forget. And one of the girls got up and was telling a story about how she was dating this guy and ended up in like a group with a bunch of guys. And she was afraid to leave the apartment. And she was like fearing like there was going to be like, um, God forbid, like a sexual assault or something. She just was very scared. So yeah. she's like, I kind of played along with the situation so I could like bow out and leave. Mm-hmm. And the person was like, you forget all of that. She's like, they were experiences I went through and things I dealt with. She's like, but at 60 something, I'm so far removed from that. She's like that, mm-hmm. that she's like, it was kind of nice to be in a room to remember even myself, like how much I've been through and how much I've gone through and, and circumstances like, you know, the things that, you know, and how I would handle it now or, and, and she had walked away and she had said, you know, I'm going to go home and talk to my granddaughter about this. Yeah. Because she's like, I, you don't remember this stuff, but now being in this room, I remember it. And I have to like, talk to my granddaughter about like, how would you handle a situation like that? Cause she's like, it will most likely happen to her because it's, it's happened to most of us, unfortunately. Right. And it's like a generational thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I am. I had, I had noticed that as well too. So p- part of, part of why I started cat calls, cause I was in the music business for six years mm-hmm. with a publicist and, um, our focus was music and it's since branched out it, it's kind of like it's truly my daughter i joke because it's like, well oh yeah that's what i say about the donna's i'm like the donna's is my baby that is my child yeah yeah, yeah. and it's like it, gr- it grows with you and like i've definitely like neglected it sometimes and there's sometimes i'm very mad at her <laughs> i've been very mad at her i've been frustrated with her growth um she's I'm so I've, proud of her but i yeah, can't be I've... too proud because i don't want to be that mom <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I've had to learn the boundaries. How do I let it go if I love it, but then bring it back? It's like truly like creative motherhood, right? Yeah. Um, But part of why I started it was because, and I I won't name names for the organization in the music business, but it was a very long standing organization. And I I got involved, I paid the membership dues, and I was really stoked to be a part of it because it had this reputation, if all else fails, for just being around for a really long time and, and having somewhat of a high esteem, having a presence in the industry. And that's very interesting what you're doing with the Donna's in terms of age difference, because that was the biggest glaring discrepancy that I felt with that organization that there was mm-hmm. there was it was mostly older women and then it felt very like what's the word parasitic when younger women came into the yeah mix. and it and was that's... like a well there's an old and classic red right way of doing things and then there's your new young radical way of doing things and yeah I'm... no matter which way I sliced it I never felt at home which is in part how I got pregnant with cat call and gave birth to cat call but yeah so that's interesting the age and that's something i i bring up at the events like when we do them is i'm very like everybody in this room look around you're all here to have fun you're all here and and i use comedy as kind of like the the tying factor because we're all here to laugh we're all here to have a good time and yeah. i and food right food is a huge thing and and food is very universal and one of the things i love about food is that our best moments in life are celebrated at a table with food and our worst moments in life are celebrated at a table with food. Like, and it's like some of the best moments in your life, weddings, births, baptisms, um, graduations, celebrations with your girlfriend, celebrations with your significant other. You go out to eat, you cheers, you, yeah. But funerals, you know, um, hard decisions, how many times, like the dinner table in like a family is like a lot of times when a tough conversation has to happen in a family and in a home, it's like you have it at the dinner table, you know what I mean? Or, and it's, food is such this diffuser and like neutralizer. And so that's why it was important to me to have like the food and because we all, and every culture of food is important. and, And that's why I wanted to like do this based around food. And then 
the comedy was like the second equalizer to be like, everybody in this room is the same. Um, there are no egos. And if there are, either check them out the door or like, this isn't the space for you. And, and that, and I'm very, uh, very loud about that, I think in, in all of these events. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's interesting too. So the duality with food is like our best moments and our worst moments. And I think that kind of mirrors with comedy, right? Like it's yeah. like some of our worst moments come out to be the best entertainment and the best things that we create. And there's, mm -hmm. there's a sadness and bitterness even to all of the humor too, you know? It's yeah. Like and for a lot of people it's coping and, and especially for a lot of women in comedy, it's how a lot of them deal with their traumas their sexual assaults, their background, their, their breakups, their you know, like for your case, the, the violent, you know, the violence, domestic violence, it's how they deal with it and how they take their ownership and power of it and, and, you know, work through it. And yeah, that's kind of, that's, that's why I really wanted to have comedy involved in this event. And, and it's important to me to, to keep that going. And it's just the, the frustration for me now is like, how do I keep this going in our current state? But I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm, no, you know, absolutely. I know it's like a, a day, a day at a time, you know, it's like whenever yeah. people ask how I'm doing in the quarantine too, I'm like, this changes minute to minute, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, I was great three at three o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, and then I kind of fell down around four. I picked myself up. I got, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That's, it, it is so true. Cause it's, um, I remember when I was at the tail end of that relationship and that was three years of which literally most of it was punctuated by physical abuse. Um, and the first jokes that I wrote, like cause I had done improv, but never really written jokes. And the first things I figured out how it was truly the only way to make sense of what was going on mm -hmm. was to talk about it in a way I needed to talk about it. And I knew that a lot of people couldn't handle it if I talked about it straight on because it was too heavy, too jarring, so on and so forth. So okay. when I would vent to friends and family about what was going on in the relationship, as terrible as it was, there was a natural comedic tone. And right. I think a lot of people are like, well, why would you joke about that? And I'm like, I, I think as in comedy, when you joke about something, you're not devaluing it. If anything, if it's important enough for me to talk about on a podcast or on stage, it's be it's if I'm talking about it, it's because it has so much weight. It's because yeah, it's and, so much weight. And I'm married I'm married to a comedian, so some of yeah. his like some of his most big his biggest traumas and his biggest hurts in his life are you know, my husband has a joke about comparing his, you know, a September 11th joke about his dad and comparing, you know, like a lot of layers of it with that. And when people first hear it, they're like, what? And he's like, this is my experience. You know, it's like, this is, yeah. this is, was my, my thing. And, you know, you can't be upset about this. Like, I know. Do and I've always believed too, that you have, especially with any kind of art or any kind of commentary on it, especially if you've gone through it and you have a personal connection to it, then it's like you have all the agency in the world to communicate about it, process it how you want, joke about, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm -hmm. like, it's, I think, I think the trickiness maybe comes whenever it's people commenting on something as if they're an expert on an experience they haven't gone through. Like I've definitely heard some tone deaf jokes in comedy about domestic violence. Oh yeah. We, well, we I just punch my girlfriend when she's annoying and I'm, I can never, I have to leave the room sometimes. Right. You know? And I'm like, yeah, that's a different bit than me explaining, taking my boyfriend to court. Finally, you know, that's right. a different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. So I want, I do want to pivot. Sure. selfishly into comedy um and so you know you do produce comedy you know you you are a yeah. comedian you know you're a big fan of comedy big supporter of comedy um what do you think i always get this question and always makes okay me like, it's always like isn't it such a great time to be a female comedian and part of me is like yeah oh is it <laughs> yeah, right I mean, yeah you know what i mean how it's like a, you're like i know they mean well with that question but how do we <laughs> like how would you navigate i would love to hear your thoughts Whoa. Um, do you do comedy, by the way? Or I, no? I don't know. Oh, okay. No. Okay, cool. Um, cool, cool. I don't do comedy. I host my show, um, but awesome. I don't do comedy. Um, cool. 
I am a huge comedy fan. Um, yeah. I give people who do comedy such credit because yeah. um, I don't know how they get up there and just make themselves so vulnerable in front of a room of people who are going to judge the shit out of them, who are like, I want to be entertained. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I no, paid my 20 bucks. Stand up show start. Make yeah. me laugh. Make me laugh with your sorrows. And you're, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, I give everyone who does comedy, male and female, like all the kudos in the world. It is one of the hardest things to do. Um, it is just, yeah, it's rough. But as far as like being a female in comedy, I mean, some of my best friends are, um, are female comedians and, I got to be honest with you, if it wasn't for female comedians, um, I probably wouldn't be doing this. Uh, I, me being in those rooms as a photographer, and I started getting into comedy photography um, because of my husband. I started shooting his shows and I was a photographer already. And I started like shooting his shows and doing his like promo stuff. And then people would see it and be like, hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to do my show? And, and that's how I started like making a lot of these friends in comedy. And a lot of the women I met, I would like to sit in these rooms and watch them. And I'm like, shit, man, everything I'm thinking in my head and everything I thought of today and all my insecurities and all my fears. And you have this woman who's up there who's so funny and so beautiful and so charismatic. And she's up there and she's like, yeah, I'm just waiting for my meds to kick in. And, or, you know, or, or then going up there and or talking about how, again or how she got dumped again. And I'm like, she got dumped. You know what I mean? Like who the hell would dump her, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and these yeah. women like really, really gave me the gusto, I guess, to kind of like be like, I'm going to, I'm going to put myself out there because I started really seeing like how, how putting yourself out there, you find your people and, you know, people are either for you or they're not. And, you know, you're not, if you're not like purposely trying to piss anybody off and you're not being like a shithead and you're not being a terrible person and going out there and saying stuff for like flair or whatever, but if you're just going, yeah. Yeah. And and you're just going out there and you're, you know, you're being you and you're being vulnerable, which is what they're doing. Um, yeah, you really, it's really a great way to live and it's an uninhibited way to live and it's very freeing. And that's kind of what I learned from a lot of female comics. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's like, I think the other thing I really like about female comics and and why a lot of them are my friends is because when, uh, when you're really busy, female comedians for me anyway, they really understand like, Hey, we may not talk for the next two weeks or two months, but we're still cool. It's all good. Yeah. Like we're still friends. Uh, we're, we're going to catch right up where we got off or also like, Hey, I know we have dinner on Tuesday night, but this opportunity came up for me. I really got to go to this thing. And whereas a lot of my friends in like the real world were like, what do you mean you're canceling dinner? It's yeah. not important to you. And it's like, no, it is important to me. But like, this is like, like a little yeah. yeah. kind of important. But how do you say that to someone? But you can say to a comedian, no, I got to do this thing. I got this event to go to. I'm going to get paid 200 bucks. I'm sorry. And they're like, no, are you kidding me? Go fucking make your money. I'll, I'll see you next week. Like dinner's yeah. going to be there. The restaurant's not closing, you know? Yeah. 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 No, that's so true. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like as much as I want to get dinner with you, I think we can find another opportunity to do that. I have to jump on this right now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And also yeah. being married to a comic, like I get that world and I get like being canceled and I get, you know, being canceled on or, you know, last minute plans changing. And I am, I think it was easy for me to be friends with female comics because I am a little bit more adaptable to that where I think like normal people or like real life working nine to five people aren't. Yeah, or absolutely. people who've had to get like babysitters to like my friends who have kids, I always feel bad because like, I know they have to like jump through hoops to get a babysitter to go to dinner. So I try not to, you know, pull up a move like that. But, mm-hmm. um, like the comics, it's just kind of nice. Cause you're like, I can't come to that thing. Or like you come and you go for like, you go to the event for maybe 20 minutes. And you're like, I got to peace out. I got to go. And they're like, yeah, yeah, go do your thing. I'll see you later. Yeah. That's, uh, that's so interesting that you say that too. And I do feel like it, there, there are your, your, 
close friends and family and your like, you know, foundational connections that you have. And then there are the people that you said that you discover once you start like pursuing a passion and you start like mm -hmm. putting yourself out there. And a lot of those have been like very unique, special connections for me that like, in some ways on a personal level, understand that hustle better than sometimes my longtime best friend does. <laughs> so yeah, well, and I, does. and I think also when you're yeah. create, creative, you have these like dips. So there's times where I'm like running and gunning and I'm like the happiest and I'm like the most energetic and I'm the best version of me. Yeah. And then as a creative, I like kind of like hit these lulls where like I'll bottom out and I need to be alone for three or four days and kind of like regroup. Yeah. I'm trying to get like more even with it. It's something I'm trying to work on. But like, I'll get like super zapped and then I like don't want to come out and I don't want to do anything. And, but it's, creatives understand, like, I think creatives get that. Yeah, they do. And I'm, I relate to you so hard on that. Cause I will, I'll, I'll have nights in a row with show, 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 shows. And Going out. Yeah. Legitimately off grid, off for planet. like two weeks where people are like, weeks. I haven't seen you in a month. Is everything okay? And I'm like, everything's fine. I just needed to regroup. Yeah, exactly. And I, I too, and I'm, that's a path that I'm on right now too, is I'm like, Oh God, Brittany, that shouldn't be so like polarizing, right? Like yeah. try and find whatever a middle ground is, if that even exists. But, um, yeah, that's, that is so valuable. And yeah. And just, I, I think something you said earlier too, about watching these women on stage, it is such a position of power. Like it's funny because people start a stand up show oftentimes with that attitude of like, make me laugh monkey. Like, ha -ha. Right. like, you know, um, and, you know, they want to go in as a naysayer in some ways, like you kind of do start at zero or start at a negative and then have to like prove yourself. Yeah. And sway um, them to your side, sway them to your side, like lead them to the water. What is it like? Get, like lead them to the water. Then you can tell them the truth. Someone told me that saying or okay. I'm butchering it. I completely. Yeah. Know. I think they're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it'll come to me in an hour. Um, and then by the end you win them over, right? Or like all of a sudden now you're in this like positive position of power as someone who's like owning everything that that happened to them. And I think that's what we tried to do with Violently Funny. What I try to do with Catcall is kind of put a light on these issues and then show women who are on the other, that's what we tried to do with Violently Funny. You know, and that didn't mean that Onika right. didn't still grapple with our trauma, still grapple with things. And some episodes were really hard to record. Um, but some of the feedback that I think is what we were going for was people like, I was in the thick of it, but then to see you guys out of your relationships and on the other side gave me hope of what like it can happen that is the light at the end of the tunnel right like yeah one, one of one of the don the donna's like the women who've like done this i call them the donna's and donna means women in italian so it's like the group the project is the women so um mm -hmm. one of the women who've done the donna she had a story about how she was young she got married and then she got divorced and as she was going through her divorce and dealing with her divorce um she opened this bakery coffee shop and how that became like her baby. And that's what she like poured everything into and how she, if she, when she got the divorce, she felt like she like bottomed out in front of her friends and family. And it was the lowest she had been in her life. And, but she, then she felt like, well, I can't fuck up anymore. Like, I'm just going to go do what I want to do. And if this coffee shop is not a success, then it's not a success. And, um, so many people, even though her story is about the coffee shop at the end and the bakery and her cookies and things like that, so many people have written me and written her about how inspiring her story was mm -hmm. and how it, how she was afraid. And one of the things was one of the women who wrote into me was like, I haven't gotten a divorce. I haven't even been married. She's like, but her saying, I was so afraid of like fucking up in front of my family mm. and admitting like kind of falling on my face in front of my family and like saying to them this, I, we, I know I had this beautiful 300 person wedding and it was, you know, you, everyone was there, but like, it's done, it's over with. And 
that she was like, just her saying that she's like, that helped me. So like, you don't know like what part of the story, like you're saying, you know, and, and to see people how are going to pick up on and grab and how people. she's thriving yeah. and your family's going to love you. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, maybe it's going to be rough and maybe it's going to be hard, but like your parents are going to love you. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. A relationship doesn't work out and it may get a little messy, but people heal and people grow. And, you know, and, and if they see how well, you, like her story is about the other side of it, but like you, it's shocking to me, even what parts of it people relate to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, um, we, we had a discussion about that too. One of, one of my best friends who was also a DV survivor came on an episode of violently funny and her metaphor was like, I won't butcher this one. <laughs> I hopefully won't butcher this one. Um, but it was the marathon and how there's always, um, the, the people who really matter and the people who truly genuinely love you are going to be waiting for you at the end of the marathon. And that like healing isn't linear. It's not a sprint. Um, no. Again, it's yeah. And it's, I had noticed that too, in the telling of the story with the episodes, people pick up on different things, even small things like uh, what I would say I had trouble focusing. So I started getting trouble. It, I started getting in heat at my PR job because like, the trauma was affecting my ability to focus. And then, it, you know, and people okay. reaching out and being like, yeah, I was in an abusive situation. And I was wondering why, like, my job was the one thing I always kicked ass at. And I couldn't even bring myself out of bed to go to work. And I couldn't even send an email without getting distracted. So many different things and in different parts mm-hmm. of the story. And you just want people to feel like as if like, hey, I bounced back from that you will too, you know, and, and the other side is a, is a big thing. Yeah. And her, her quote, um, Noelle's quote is what, cause I asked everyone who does the project to give me a quote. Um, mm-hmm. and Noelle's quote is, uh, uh, the only way out is through, Love that. which yeah. I love. And I've really been like telling myself that nonstop through COVID and through this situation, like, this is not ideal. This is not, but the only way out of this is through, like, we have to go through this to get to the other side of it. And, and, uh, her her quote is something that I've really just been like repeating to myself a lot. Yeah, I love that quote. And I think, yeah, that's very, very topical for what's going on right now, too, because I feel like it is our human instinct to want to fast forward. Or, or control to- or right, like we want to control everything and, and we can't. And yeah. like, sometimes you just got to be like, OK, let me kind of surrender to this. And, you know, I, I don't have the answers for it. 